All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to be right up here with you to share with you this morning. And today we're starting a brand new series, new series entitled Next Level, Next Level. You see, uh, I believe that God has an incredible amount of grace for his church, his church. He has a special place in his heart for his church. You see, in Revelation chapter 21, he calls the church his bride. He has put himself in this position of of, of relationship to be related to this entity that he is now inextricably tied to. He loves his church. He has grace for his church. Grace is unearned favor. It is unmerited. It's something that we cannot earn, but he continues to bless his church with favor. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27 tells us that God's goal is to present his bride without spot or wrinkle, holy and blameless. That he is looking to perfect a church, looking to perfect his bride, looking to advance or grow his bride, which is created with the collection of of imperfect people, imperfect people making up his beautiful bride. And he loves us so much that he wants us to grow. This verse that I have up on the screen, uh, Ephesians 5, 27, I believe shows his desire for us not to be stagnant. His desire for us not to be still. His desire for the church not to remain the same, but to always be progressing. If you ever got an email from me, you know my tagline. Some of you laughing. It says, continue progressing. Because I believe that God does not want us to take steps backward. He's always looking for us to move forward. And I believe that that's the place for the church today, that we need to learn to grow up, grow up. The writer of Hebrews chapter number five says that we should no longer look for milk, that we should be striving to eat meat. We have to grow up. Here's a picture of me when I was about five years old. Oh, what happened to him? I, when I was in first grade, right, I, I was in first grade, um, that's my mama trying to hide behind me. She's always trying to hide in pictures. Hey, mama, uh, I know you're watching. Uh, but in the first grade, I was carefree. I'm throwing Frisbees. I'm having a good old time. But now if 40-something-year-old Gary was still putting his backpack on, and showing up to Featherbed Elementary School in Baltimore, Maryland, y'all call the police on me. <laughs> I, I, you don't want me showing up at the elementary school because I'm not the teacher, right? I can't be 40-something years old and show up to the first grade. Why? If, if I did, then somebody needs to have a conversation with me. 
because I have not matured. If, if I go and, and remain in the place where I started, I have not accomplished what God has on my life. I believe that God has growth for his church and that we've been stagnant too long. He does not want us to remain still. He does not want us to remain in the same place. He's never okay with us being oblivious to culture or uh, uh, neglecting the injustices of this world. He wants us to be like the prophets of old and speak up and speak truth to power. That is a sign of our maturity. Our maturity comes when we do the things that Jesus did and not neglect the things that Jesus did. It is time for the church to have a real conversation of what it means to grow up and what that looks like. You see, I believe that we have some areas in our church, I'm talking capital C church, Western American church, some areas that we can grow in, some areas that we can make progress in because God's goal for the church is that we partner with him, that we help him to bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven, that we participate in the great commission of making disciples of every body that we come in contact with. And God has brought the whole nations right here to the Twin Cities. Some of us are looking to go overseas to go and reach all the cultures. But God said, you in Minneapolis? I brought them to you. Just get out the four walls and get out here and start talking to some folk. That's not in my sermon. Let me get back. But I want us to be a church that is on the move, a church that is examining ourselves, a church that looks at our challenges and flaws and makes progress and moves forward. This year, I want us to all be sensitive to the voice of God, to his spirit, and say, God, where are you leading us next? God wants us all, individually and collectively, to reach our next level in him. He wants us to make progress. He wants us to examine ourselves, to offer our best to him. And watch this. Let him take us to our next level. You see, God is not looking for you to stress and strain and, oh, i got to put in all of this work and I've got to invest all of this stuff. Yes, he wants you to do your part, but he wants to take you higher. The question is, are you going to let go long enough to let him put the wind under your wings and fly? Such is the story in today's text. We'll be in Luke chapter number 7. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your mobile device, would you open it up, turn it on to Luke chapter 7. We'll be in verse, starting at verse number 36. I'll read all the way down to verse number 40. It's an interesting story here about progress and worship. Verse 36 
says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came to you, into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go. In peace. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you have your way in this message and in our time together? Would you speak now, God, in a way that all of us need to hear? Translate whatever I have written on these pages to whatever anyone needs to hear. Holy Spirit, you can do that work. And move in this body that we may grow to our next level in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'd like to focus on what this woman did, and that is worship. I believe God wants us to go to our next level in worship. He wants to take us there. We were created to worship God. That's what Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 and 7 tell us. We were created. That's why God sh uh, uh, shaped us. He made us to worship him. So what does worship mean? Uh, the Greek word for worship means to bow down, 
to lower oneself, to honor someone above you, to, 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 to recognize his glory. The word glory means his weight, his, his mass, right? How majestic and mighty and powerful he is. It, is. it is looking at God and saying, God, you are way beyond me. You are so otherworldly. You are glorious. You are bigger than I. How could you even pay attention? Attention to little old me, because you're so great. Worship is ascribing ultimate value to someone or something. You know who you worship or what you worship by what you can't live without. Why should we worship? First reason I believe that we should worship is because it helps us to keep God in the right perspective. That when we worship God, it makes him bigger. He's already big. What it does is makes him bigger in our own eyes and heart. We worship him because he is our creator, because he's the lover of our soul, because he has grace and mercy upon us. We worship him. Watch this. We also worship him to to obey the first commandment. The first commandment, Nexus chapter number 20, verse number 3 says, you should have no other God before me. How easy it is for us to creep up as God of our own lives. How easy it is for us to call the own, our own shots, to want things to be our way. It's nothing wrong with wanting things to be your own way, but, but you should always address the king and say, uh, does this fall in line with you, what you want? Worship helps us to understand and recognize God's grace toward us, his mercy that he uh, doesn't have to pay attention to me and you, but he does. He loves us that much. Like the woman in this story, I believe God wants to take our worship to another level. He wants to, uh, uh, he wants us to honor him. He wants us to recognize who he is, and he wants to do some things in our lives when we actually do that. So let's glance at a few observations in the text. Let's dig into it. First of all, we see in the top of this story that Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. Later we find his name is Simon. Simon the Pharisee. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the creator of the world, the one who spoke Simon into being is invited to Simon's house for dinner. Simon is a Pharisee. Anybody know what a Pharisee is? Pharisee is a religious leader of the day. A Pharisee is one who uh, claims to be an expert in Jewish law and politics, an expert in, in the, the Old Testament, the Torah of the, the Bible, what we call the Bible. This is a person who supposedly knows God and knows what God wants and follows all of the rules and does everything right. That is a Pharisee. The Greek word for Pharisee actually means separatist. One who separates themselves. You see, Simon the Pharisee would have been 
one of these religious leaders who had his nose in the air, who would have thought himself to be greater than everyone else. You got any people in your life like that? Simon was a Pharisee, and the more I dug into this, I found that the Pharisees were a self-appointed righteousness group. After Israel was exiled, uh, there was this sect that came together to proclaim that they were in charge. You got any self-proclaimed righteous people in your life? Oh, let me stop. But what happens next in the text is amazing because at Simon the Pharisee, the separatist's house, who invited Jesus in to have dinner at his house, a woman shows up. This text says that she's a sinful woman who comes into the house, sits at Jesus' feet, and worships him. Luke Luke, the writer of this passage, does not tell us specifically what her sin is, though many have speculated what the sin might be. But we have some clues. We can dig into it. The first thing we observe is that her sin is public, that everybody knows what her sin is. Her sin is public. She is considered sinful. She was seen publicly and known to participate in activities that would have been considered socially unacceptable. The word that Luke actually uses for sinful here is actually translated one devoted to sin, meaning that her lifestyle was one of sin. But, but it's amazing. It's the same word he uses to describe the tax collectors of the day, right? Their lifestyle, what they lived for was to uh, 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 rob the people. And he uses the same word for this lady was not a tax collector, but her lifestyle was one of sin, blatant public lifestyle of sin. And we have... A Pharisee who's calling out her sin before Jesus. Don't he know who she is? Doesn't he know what she, if he was really a prophet, he'd know who this lady is. Let me pause for a moment and just tell you my opinion of why the, the American church is not as prosperous as it should be. I believe that unfortunately in many of our churches we have self-appointed Pharisees sitting in our pews who are judging those who come in with public sin. Now that's not a welcome environment. Because Jesus wants all of us to come before him. But I'd like for our church to be one that stops judging and be one that starts loving. That we are a church that loves every person who comes through the doors. We are a church who loves and welcomes every person who cares about anybody who comes in these doors. Because everybody needs to experience the love of Jesus. But you know why people act like that? People act like those judges 
Because their sin hadn't been found out yet. It's not that these religious folks are sinless. <laughs> yeah, we just don't know. They're not public. They haven't gone public yet. Just wait and see. So we see in this text, we see this portion of Scripture. I'm just walking through the text. That this woman, considered a sinner, shows up at Simon the Pharisee's house. She comes in, positions herself at Jesus' feet, and worships him. That That didn't get you. This woman, considered a sinner, comes in to Simon the Pharisee's house, the separatist, positions herself at Jesus' feet, and worships him. This woman, considered a sinner, we know what she do out in the street, doesn't need directions to Simon the Pharisee's house. Knows the code to get in the door. Knows where the dining room is. Oh, Jesus. Walks in is not put out by the separatist. Sound like she been there before. Simon. You see, I don't think Simon is as holy and separate as he's leading on. And neither are you or me. That there's a whole lot of rugs in our house that we're sweeping a whole lot of stuff under. And we pretend on the outside that I'm holier than thou. We all have baggage. We all have a past. We all have problems. We all have fallen short. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all need to be saved by Jesus. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We're all on level ground at the feet of Jesus. The question is, are you going to get down to his feet? After giving her best worship, that's where I'll go now. She gave her best worship to Jesus, right? It tells us she went in, bowed down before his feet. She worshiped him. Watch this. She receives a reward from Jesus. She receives something after she worships. A few things that she receives, right? And and what I'd like to say is when you recognize the grace that God has given you like she did, and then you go and you give your best to Jesus, he will take you to another level. Watch what he did. She worshiped him, and Jesus didn't even look at the homeboy. He looked at her, talked to him with his back turned, And he humbled her haters. Listen, those people who are raising up in your life, who are hating on you, who are talking about you behind your back, who got something against you, you don't have to fight those battles. He said, the the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Lady, you don't have to fight with Simon who's out here calling out your sin because I'm going to humble him for you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need to be out here fighting in these streets. We need to be praying more, worshiping Jesus more, and watching what he does. So he humbles her haters. He restored her reputation by defending this woman in his presence. He forgave her sins, and he gave her peace at the very end of the text. You want some peace in your life? Make worship a lifestyle. And she gives us some tips on worship. That's what I want to leave you with. She gives us some tips, four tips that I want to give you, uh, uh, out of this text that each one of us should apply to our lives. Not, not, Not one is better than the other. All of them need to be incorporated into our lives. If we are going to be worshiping and if we are going to take our worship of Jesus to the next level. All right, you ready? Here you go. Number one, we need to change our position. This woman walks into the room and does not confront Jesus face to face. She bows at his feet. The the, the thing there is that Jesus is above her. And she's recognizing that Jesus is greater than me. Jesus' ways are greater than me. Jesus' words are more than my words. Jesus' ideas are more than mine, and I need to come under him. You see, a lot of us walking around, and we want to do things our way, and we have to have it our way. We want to do things our way. Everything has to go our way. And Jesus is saying, is it my way first? It's nothing wrong with you having wants and desires and wanting to move in a certain direction. But Jesus said, have you consulted me? Will you change your position? Second thing is this. Serve in your gifting. Serve in your gifting. He's not just looking for you to come up and just do anything. God has created you for a specific purpose with specific gifts, and he wants you to get in the game where you can play. Listen, I do not sing on this stage. Ain't my gift. If I did, all of y'all would leave. Guarantee. Come on, Amy. Let's sing together. Sing a duet. Look, she's still sitting in her seat. You know Get in where you fit in. But what she does, she bows down. She cleans his feet. Ooh, that's nasty. But you know what she's doing? She's following Jesus' example. Because in John chapter 13, Jesus calls all his homeboys together and gets down and puts on the servant's robe. And he washes the feet of his disciples. You want to know why? Because in Matthew chapter, uh, what is it, chapter number 23, he said, the greatest among you is your servant. So what is he doing for this woman? He is elevating this woman. He said, yeah, you might have washed my feet, but I got something bigger and better for you. I'm taking you to your next level because you serve me. We've got to get in and serve Jesus. But listen, I, watch this. He's calling her great because she humbled herself. I'd love for our church to grow in this way, that we would be considered great in the eyes of Jesus, that we would be considered great in the eyes of our community, that we would be great in the eyes of the Twin Cities. Why? Because we were so good at serving. 
Jesus said, if you want to learn how to serve, right, go out here and find the people who, who, who are uh, without clothes, without food, without uh, the, the marginalized. He said in Matthew chapter 25, if you serve them, you're actually serving me. We need to be greater servants, and that is a greater part of our worship. Finally, no, not finally, one more, two more. Examine your giving. I just wanted to see how quiet it would get. <laughs> Examine your giving. Look, this woman came in with an alabaster jar of perfume. She came in with all she had. Watch this. This alabaster jar of perfume would have cost a year's worth of wages in that time. Oh, how much you make? Let me see your W-2. I will never ask you for your W-2. But it's tax time, so you got it in your brain. What do you make per year? God says, watch this. She gave me that as a gift. Question is, what are you giving to God? It actually reflects how much you value him. That's what we talk about giving. It's not, look, look, I, I was telling uh, Jesse the uh, uh, other day, I was like, I'm not in here looking to increase the church budget, though that would be very good. Praise God. We could do so much more ministry if everybody gave. But watch this. You giving is not for me. You giving is for you. God's opening up doors for this woman because she gave her best. I'll talk about Given, I got another message for giving. I'll put that one right there. Then the final one is this come to Jesus. She found out where Jesus was, and it didn't take her long to get to where he was. She made it her priority to get in front of Jesus, actually behind him. She made it her priority to get into a place where she was with Jesus. She overcame her opposition to get to Jesus. She overcame what the people were saying about her to get to Jesus. She overcame, okay, all kind of obstacles, even her sin and her past to get to Jesus. She didn't let any of that stuff hold her back from getting to her Savior. And so many of us, we get deterred when one person gossips about us. We get deterred when one person puts a, 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 a something on the social media about us. We get deterred when one thing doesn't go our way. And this woman said, I don't care about none of that. I'm going for him. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our worship. Our worship is not, my worship ain't for none of y'all. My worship is for the king. She came before Jesus in spite of all the things that were going on. She didn't allow her past to prevent her from coming to Jesus. And you know what? That just makes me love Jesus more because Jesus is a man of second chances. Jesus is a God of 24 chances. Jesus is a God of 40,000 chances. Jesus has given me more chances than I could ever ask for or imagine. Jesus loves you so much that he gives us chance after chance, and he will not allow your past to stop him from loving you. Maybe there's somebody here today who has never taken this last step and come to Jesus. 
Maybe you're here today and you, uh, uh, you've been coming to church or, or maybe this is your first time here and you're hearing about this Jesus stuff, this worship stuff. Uh, maybe it's a little outlandish to you. But I'm here to tell you and show you through the story of this wonderful woman that God will open doors for you and bless your life when you take worship seriously. When you actually come to him and say, everything that I am and that I have, God, I bow it before you. Because he says in John chapter 6, verse 38, if I give to him, he will give back to me. In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He will give back to me whatever I give. My time, my talent, my treasures, my temple. Give it to him. He gives back to you. Listen, if you would, if everybody would, just close your eyes and let's enter into a moment of prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come? God, we're so grateful for your grace toward us, for your love for your church. We thank you that we are able to be in this collective body of believers today. We invite you to have your way in our church and in our lives. God, today, we invite you in. I invite you in. God, all of the ways that I've messed up in my past, all of the ways that I've fallen short, all of the things that I have done wrong, will you forgive me of that? God, I invite you to transform my life. Father, you are Lord, meaning that you call the shots. And so right now, I, 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 God, I confess that I have not always come under your rulership and authority. Will you lead me? Will you guide me? Will you show me your love one more time? Will you surround me with that care and compassion that I once felt? And restore me unto you. And I will forever give you praise. I will forever honor you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want you to take a next step with me. The first next step is this. If you prayed that prayer with me today and this was the first time you've invited Jesus to into your life, that you are coming to Jesus and offering your all, I just want you to put a number one down at the bottom of your connect card and where it says my next step. But if you've already done that, beautiful. Praise God for you, your life and your salvation. I'd like for you to take another step. You see, there's three other things that uh, I talked about in those points. Three other things that this woman did uh, to take her worship to the next level, and I want each one of us to grow in these areas. So would you just, watch this, you grow one step at a time. Would you take one of these steps this week? Will you Take seriously a change of your position. Examine where you stand with Jesus. And say, Jesus, you know, uh, uh, I have been calling the shots. I have been trying to tell you how to run my life. But God, I want you to take control. 
Or, or maybe you, you, you're not serving God or, or people in need in any capacity. Maybe you need to grow in your serving. Or maybe this is the hard one. I will see how many people will choose it. Maybe you need to examine your giving. Maybe you've been robbing God. It says, uh, uh, Malachi chapter number 3, verse number 10, will a man or a human rob God? Yet you have been robbing me. He says, the only way you can rob me is not the giving, tithes and offering. Will you just take a moment, examine your giving? Am I actually showing God his value in my giving? Because I want God to meet you and me in my area of fault so that we can all grow in our worship. Listen, will you stand? If you're able to stand, will you stand? We're going to worship. And what I want you to do is while you're worshiping, to just forget about what's around you, who's around you, what's going on. I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to get lost in the Lord as we sing this song. But you just take a moment to say, God, how do you want to meet me in this moment? Let's worship.